Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? Better than you. Yeah, I'm a little bit under the weather. I'm sure people Coming can tell already. Something. No, I'm getting over something, actually. I'm in the... Uh, the, the later stages right. of a chest cold, and so now, unfortunately, I know this is very disgusting, now everything is sort of coming up, and it is lodging itself in my throat. So it is gross. It is very gross. I apologize, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll try not to, like, hawk anything up, uh, you know, during the discussion, uh, but I might cough off mic from time to time. Um, and yes, in the spirit of uh, my not wanting to let my sickness affect the episode too much we are going to want to try and keep this one short yeah but how many times have you said that someone pointed out to us last week that we said well when we first said like <laughs> we should start wrapping things up there's still 40 minutes left in the episode and i told him <laughs> yes here's the thing though that episode was an hour and 48 minutes i believe that means that an hour and eight so we're easily past the uh 50 mark <laughs> so that we were wrapping it up as, as far as i'm concerned 51 percent means we're wrapping it up right we're on the downhill <laughs> side man ain't that ain't that the truth um do you think we're on the downhill side of we're at episode 237 what do you think oh we've been going downhill for i'm gonna say the last 150 episodes oh so that doesn't make sense that would mean the downhill will be longer than the uphill i mean we should have quit a long time ago <laughs> so but we're not gonna quit and you can help us by not quit <laughs> nice not, and not you can help us not quit i said nice too soon yeah because i <laughs> You can help us not quit. You can help us keep doing this, providing you with an hour and 48 minutes of content every mm-hmm. week um, by donating. Absolutely. We always, we always love a donation. You can set up a donation subscription. Mm-hmm. You can donate right now and for the foreseeable future. If you donate $10 or more, mm-hmm. you will automatically be sent uh, our first 40 episodes, which are right. no longer available except for a few of the guest ones. Right. Uh, we always have to qualify that. I guess we yeah. don't want anyone to be like, liars! Yeah. Ah. But I also want people to know they can go check out our early episodes with, like, uh, Matt, Matt Belknap was our first yeah. guest, Paul Goebel's first appearance on the show. Zalgernon. Zalgernon's. Uh, who else is in that first? Wyatt oh, Snack. My. Wyatt Snack, yeah. Yeah. And the, uh, yeah, Mike the, Schmidt's first appearance was in there. The very famous Wyatt Snack. Was, uh, he, got his, he got his start on Battleship <laughs> Retention. That's the way I like to look at it. <laughs> um, yeah, and so it's... Uh, yeah, in the in the spirit of full disclosure, and we've we've sort of said this before, um, we have had to uh, bump things up a little bit. We got ourselves a new computer, we got a new soundboard, we got new mics, uh, and then on top of everything else, some of you may have noticed a few days ago that uh, that when you you weren't able to listen to the episodes yeah. because it said bandwidth exceeded. That had happened a few times recently, and yeah. it's because. More people are listening. More people are listening, for us. and we're putting out much longer episodes. So, <laughs> but as a result, we've had to upgrade our um, yes, our VPS. I don't remember what that stands for. Uh, virtual private server. Really? Yeah. Uh, do you just know that, or did you guess? I think I just know that. That's really impressive. So we had to we had to bump that up. Now we, it's now double the amount of bandwidth. So we're we're going to be fine, I think. Um, but. Uh, but that does cost money, and people have been very generous. I don't want to give the impression that uh, you guys are cheapskates or anything like that, but uh, 
But if, if anybody felt like uh, donating $10, if 10% of our listeners decide to donate $10 right now, we'd be in pretty good shape. Cool. So, um, so if you haven't, if you, if you already have, either you're subscribing or you've donated money already, don't feel obligated to. We appreciate everything you've done. But if you haven't and you feel like you can spare the 10 bucks, we really, really would appreciate that. Or more, by the way. And many people have been very generous. We've gotten like some $50 donations, and that's, that's crazy. Do you send them email, like thank you I emails? do, yes. Good. That, that's nice of you. I would do that too if well, I absolutely. were the one who kept track of the donations, but I'm not. Well, okay. But, uh, but yeah, so we would appreciate that. You can go to uh, battleshipretention.com and click donate. Um, if I'll say this. While we do appreciate the donation subscriptions, when it comes to like sending those emails saying, like, here's how you download the, episode, the, the older episodes, it's easier for me to keep track of um, one-time donations, but I don't want to discourage people from doing that. So maybe... You can sign up for a donation subscription or do a one-time donation. Then email me and say, hey, I signed up for this thing. And, uh, and if it's a new subscription, I'll be able to go in and, and verify that, yeah. and then I'll, I'll send it to you. So you know what? Whatever you want to yeah, do. We'll, we'll work it out. Or yeah. Tyler will work it out. I sure will. So, By the way, while you're over there at the website, you know what you should do. What's that? They should hang out at the website because... Oh, yeah. Look, well, it's not, they don't need any help from us. We've been doing this 237 episodes... Uh, it's clear we love doing the podcast, but so much lately, I love our blog. Oh, yeah. I love writing for it. I love reading the other uh, uh, bloggers. I like um, assigning them due dates Yeah, and uh, being, a, being, being a, a harsh taskmaster as an editor. But um, no, in all honesty, I think that we're putting out something that is very true to the Battleship Retention sort of voice I and brand agree. yes um <clears throat> because most of our reviews are foreign and independent films mm-hmm. and some um more recently some home video stuff that's also in the foreign and independent realm mm-hmm. and there's also some major when we can get them uh you yeah. know major film reviews too because we're not and complete snobs and here's the neat thing about our bloggers not only, frankly, do they work for free, and, and admittedly, sometimes like, oh well, you know, they get to see a, a pre-screening, and that's a, and that's exciting, you know. But some of them are willing to, you know, take their own money mm-hmm. and pay for a ticket to something that they probably would not have seen otherwise, just right. so they can get a review to us, and that's very yeah. nice of them. So yes, go to the blog and, I, I, and check I, it out. I, my dream is that for for the the type of people who like this podcast. Um, our website will be a place that you will look for reviews of movies that are coming out. You know, especially since we we tend to do these foreign independent um, releases, uh, and we tend to we try to tie them to the Los Angeles release date, which mm-hmm. means if you're most other places in the country, uh, the review will have already been up by the time it comes to your oh yeah uh, to your town. So um, yeah, just. Uh, Please, I, I really um, am proud of what we're putting up there and what our writers are putting up there on the blog, and I want people to uh, spend some time checking it out. And I do want to – I don't want to, um, you know, champion one writer over the other, but – uh, You have a favorite? <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's not even so much that. It's that um, writer uh, – blogger Kyle Anderson has started a new series, and so I wanted to talk about that. Right. Which is uh, – he and I were talking about this, and then I, I forgot that I had said, hey, you should do this. Uh-huh. And then, uh, lo and behold, he's like, hey, I'm working on it. I'm like, oh, oh, right. Okay, sure. Go ahead. Um, and that is, uh, he's 
he's discussing James Bond through the ages, specifically by decade. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so his first blog, which is James Bond in the 60s, when, when the franchise was just starting to take shape. And everything that we know James Bond to be now, you know, comes about, well, of course, from, from the novels, but from the 60s, like the Bond girl, the specific kind of megalomaniacal villain, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. It all comes out of the 60s, and how does that work, and which ones are better, which ones are worse, that sort of thing. And so it's, uh, it's a very interesting, fairly in-depth blog, oh, cool. and I like... I, I love what all of our bloggers are doing, um, but when anytime someone tries to do a series... Um, I try to turn people onto that because it's something you, know you, you can return to. I, I've actually been considering doing a series myself. I can find the time to watch these. I want to do. I've got five picked out. Okay. I want to do a series called "Movies I Hated Ten Years Ago." Okay, that are movies that people tell me are good that I did not like ten year, ten or more years ago. Do you like them now? That I haven't seen. Oh, okay. And that's the idea is that I will rewatch. <laughs> well, what do you got? And, well, I've got Fight Club. Okay. Even though I have seen that. More recently than ten years ago, but not a, not a whole lot more recently. Right. Uh, Fight Club, Magnolia, okay, is one. Uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, okay, uh, Almost Famous, yeah, and I think Bring It On will probably be the fifth one, okay. Because people, I saw that in the theater and I did not like it, but a lot of people, a lot of smart people like Bring It On. I think that could be a fun one to do. Here's what I'm going to I'm going to put this out there: of the five, you will love Bring It On and you will still hate the others. That's just a that's just a hunch I have. You think? Oh yeah. Okay. You don't I think, think that, uh, you, given that, uh, and this is just a conversation you and I are having now that no one <laughs> isn't for the podcast. Right? That's all right. But you know me well enough to know that I have, in the past 10 years, come around in a big way on martial arts movies. Well, I never knew that you were against them. I just think that neither you nor I knew a lot about them. I wasn't, but I wasn't very interested in them. And okay. I had a tough time early on with certain elements, certain fantastical elements mm-hmm. of martial arts movies okay um of like i see i don't even know like wuxia i think is the name of the the genre okay that i'm talking about that has like magical elements in it mm-hmm. uh you know people doing things that are super superhuman yeah i had a real i had real trouble with that okay a long time ago and i warmed but up you're like, more willing to accept it now i've actually i've i completely i love it now okay so i'm wondering if that will make me like crouching tiger hidden dragon more or less I feel like probably I don't know. I feel like probably more. Yeah. I don't know. I'd be interested. I, I am interested. I, you should you should do this uh, this series. I think. Uh, yeah, I, I want to do it. I just it's, it's just more about between between the profile episodes and the screenings. Yeah. Uh, I get invited to press screenings and um, my other TV podcast. I have, I have so little time to just watch a movie. Let me ask you this: that uh, well, yeah, but this for would my be, own. But right. this wouldn't be for your own thing. This would just be. But I, I still have to find the time. To yeah. Do. Let me ask you this: if you were to do that series. Do you think you actually would be able to put aside your own, like, try and f- see them with fresh eyes? That's the point, yeah. Do you think you could be able to do it, though? Um, for most of them. Okay. I would have... I have... Been, you and I have I've demonized fighting, Fight Club yeah, so I, I, much. I've been fighting against Fight Club and Magnolia for so long yeah. that it might be tough for me to be open-minded. I, st- I, I do stand by in Magnolia. I liked it then, and I like it even more now. Um, for for those reasons that I've told you about that are almost intangible. It's just like somebody, a filmmaker, just decides to go balls out even if he doesn't totally understand what he's doing. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I appreciate that kind of thing. Um, well, you know why I might like Crouching Tiger a little more? Why is that? Uh, because of how I have uh, developed my view of movies mm-hmm. from a formalist perspective. Formalist, David, now. 
What, 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 what is that? Yeah, this came up uh, off air, a friend of yours, because I, we mm-hmm. talk about formalism, and it's, I, you know, I don't want to pin myself down, but if I have an approach to movies, mm-hmm. it is mostly as a formalist. Okay. If I had to pick, if I had to pick one sort of like <laughs> uh, film criticism like mm-hmm. pen to put myself in, it would be the formalist pen. What, um, pe- what, are, what other pens are there? Idiots. <laughs> yeah, it's just formalists <laughs> and idiots. Um, I guess there are sentimentalists. There are oh, okay. uh, humanists. Pl- political, yeah, humanists. Yeah. There are like uh, I feel like uh, Jonathan Rosenbaum, or a critic I really like, writes a lot poli- like a, a political, not necessarily just yeah politicians and the government, but just right socio political, yeah, kind very of thing. politically minded in, yeah. his, in his writing. Okay. Uh, but well, anyway, formalist. Yeah, and it's... If it's someone a, asked you if we could define it, since we say it so much. Right, and and I gave I gave what I thought was... Well, I gave what my definition was, and what I assumed yours was as well. Um, and uh, But I, it occurred to me, like, we, we bandy the word about a lot, um, but I'm not sure if we ever just totally put it out there as to this is what we mean by formalism. Mm-hmm. So... Um, how do you define formalism for yourself? I define formalism as the, uh, what's what I'm looking for? Um, cumulative effect of the forms of filmmaking, the actual processes that go into the, the, the choices in terms of camera work, both, you know, Mm. lenses and, uh, and and coloring and and the distance of mm-hmm. uh, a shot, the length of a take, uh, the editing, the way these things are work together, the sound, uh, the 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 form the movie takes. Now you mentioned cumulative. Uh-huh. You mean to say how all of these elements work together? That's a, yes, that's very very okay. important to me. Um, there is a there is a phrase that often gets used. Um, that when I was younger, I don't think I totally understood, but I do understand, I think I do understand it now. Mm-hmm. And I think it's sort of what we're talking about. The idea of a movie being more or less than the sum of its parts. Right. Um, okay. do you ever, have you ever, as, as uh, somebody who, I know that you wouldn't say, hello, I'm David Bax formalist. Like, <laughs> I don't think you would say that. Um, although you did have those business cards made up, right? <laughs> right. Um, and <laughs> so David Bax, I'm formalist bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, <clears throat> Uh, has there ever been a movie that you, as a at, you know, from a formalist standpoint, you approach and you say, "This good, this is good, this is good, this is good, this is good," but somehow they don't all add up. In in other words, it is less than the sum of its parts. Oh, I would have to think about that. Um, I mean, this would end up being a movie I didn't like then. Yeah. So, because uh, I because I've got one for myself. It's funny. I mean, we were talking about Magnolia. That's. I mean, I think. Okay. I think Magnolia and Boogie Nights are both uh, movies that I don't like that are made up of elements that I think are fantastic. Okay. But it doesn't work together for me. And I think for me, um, and those are movies that I like, uh, Magnolia more so than Boogie Nights, actually. Um, Although for a lot of people, that's actually switched. A lot of people like Boogie Nights more than Magnolia. Um, And I guess that's understandable. Well, there's drugs and sex and like people get shot in Boogie Nights. Does that happen in Magnolia? It's been so long, I forgot. Uh, there's drugs and sex. I think. Does some, 
There's guns and frogs. Yeah, there's frogs. I don't know. I don't know about that. What it, what it lacks in guns, it makes up for in frogs. <laughs> so um, the uh, those are movies I enjoy, but a movie that I feel like is is features a lot of the things that we're talking about, but somehow came up lacking for me, and a movie you really enjoy is Public Enemies. Public Enemies is a perfect example of a movie that I know... The reasons you don't like it in terms of story and character, mm. I completely agree with, Right, but... Uh, that's that's to me not the point of public enemies it is more of a of a formalist uh not experiment but exercise it's a, it, it's and and that to me is is why it's uh, cuz that I think I, I do think that every while I wouldn't go so far as to say that I am a a formalist by any by any stretch of the imagination I do I think I don't think anybody okay I might piss off somebody here I don't think so but I don't think anybody can love film and really appreciate film without appreciating a certain degree of formalism. Mm-hmm. Would you say? I mean, yeah. I mean, that's nobody's the, like. I, I love movies, but I don't really care about cinematography, editing, sound, or you know. Yeah, like, a lot of. I mean, that's uh, kind of what sets it apart from other narrative. Oh, absolutely. Art forms like like novels or plays. Yeah, and so like, so I think I, you know, when when we talked about that, what was it, two thousand nine or eight? Public Enemies was two thousand nine. Okay, I think. Because um, when we were talking about our favorite movies of the year, you mentioned Public Enemies, and I was the fir- you know I'm the first to say that, like I do think it's well shot. I do think it's very well put together, especially some of those you know shootout sequences. Um, but that ultimately, you know, I think it comes down to but, what we inter- what we each individually interpret the movie is supposed to be about. But I'm not talking about just the the competence of the form. Right. I'm talking about using the form. In an almost impressionistic way, to go to something else we were talking about off mic, um, the the way that the form is used to give you the feeling of of the movie, mm-hmm. as opposed to just like being, you know, I think like Brian De Palma in some of his lesser films is still, I think, formally uh, very um, competent, mm-hmm. but he doesn't necessarily, you know, like. The beginning of Snake Eyes is great. It's an awesome, like, mm-hmm. 12-minute shot, tracking shot throughout this entire uh, arena. Have you seen Snake I'm Eyes? Not, I, no, I haven't. I yeah. heard it was very terrible. It's really well done. The um, uh, the the Untouchables, the Battleship Potemkin um, oh, yeah. reference is very well done, but what's the point? You know what's a great recent example? Okay. And this will, uh, I know, upset some people because a lot of people like this movie, including a lot of critics that I... Um, really like but I, I saw uh, Nicholas Winningreffen's Drive this mm-hmm. past weekend and I didn't like it I didn't hate it but okay. I mostly didn't like it because when you and I talked on the phone you, I said s- it you, s- you said it stunk and I think you even said you hated it there it sounds parts, like you've, you've backed off a little bit from that there was a certain point in the movie um, people who've seen it will say there's a part on a beach mm-hmm. at night where I was like, I am hating this. I am hating this movie right now. Okay, so I got to uh, keep an eye out for a beach. Yeah, it you won't miss like... it, isn't it? Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Scene, what, I don't it? know this beach you're talking about. <laughs> um, there are points when I was hating it. Um, overall, I think it's just lacking in a lot of ways, and it's not a very good film. But I mean, every shot is composed uh, very meticulously and is beautiful to look at. Mm-hmm. Even the um, uh, the gore is. Because I don't know if you if you have been keeping up on this. It's I a, have not. It's a very very bloody movie. Okay. Um, even that is formally beautiful. Mm-hmm. 
uh, I know it's a weird thing to say, but like when someone's like brains are exploding against the wall and it's done in a, a slow motion and uh, impressionistic way, there's a beauty to it. Does it feel? Does it? Does the film feel kind of clinical to you? Um, no, it because I'm okay with like Kubrick. I, I'm more than okay with Kubrick. Right. I think he was he's fantastic. I think it's more that it's. Uh, it's like a meditative film that isn't actually meditating on anything. It's not that it's clinical, it's that it's superficial. I think that's what I don't like about Drive. I would continue this conversation, then I realized I have not seen the film. So <laughs> it's, uh, but yeah, and so I feel like, I don't know, it's, it's an interesting thing because a lot of this can be boiled down to what people's, like if somebody has, I think, a formalist objection or a formalist love for a movie, I think a lot of it can be can be surprisingly subjective like for example let's go let's bring up public enemies because we've both seen it um you you really like if not love public enemies yeah, i wouldn't top say, 10 of the year i wouldn't say i hate it but i i appreciate it but i don't like it and i, I didn't feel invested in it and you know you say that it was more of a formalist exercise there's an argument to be made for that and part of me feels like you're making a movie about a very dynamic character in recent american history now one could say that this is the fault of the audience. This is the fault of me to assume that since you are making a film about a character that is sort of about a, re- you know what? Let's let's uh, let's ignore the fact that he's a real guy, mm-hmm. a character whose very life is over the top mm-hmm. and flamboyant and, and fascinating, even if he himself is not. Which, by all accounts, he was. Um, I don't think it. I think it is a it is a reasonable expectation that we thought that this would that in the midst of um you know some really great um aesthetic elements mm-hmm. there would be something in service of character i think i think anytime you assume something about a movie before seeing it it's kind of your fault i suppose so and i know that that's that's an idealistic statement because there's no way to completely clear your mind of right. expectations for any movie based on even if you know almost nothing about it you've got an idea based on the title or based on an actor you know is in it or a direct, if you've seen the mm-hmm. director's work before. Uh, I think, obviously, it's, it's, an, it's an impossible ideal to live up to, but you should ideally try to remove any expectations from your mind before you see a film. But what about the uh, expectations going on whilst I am watching it and being frustrated that we are being told a story about this man but not actually being told about a story about about this man? I think that's valid. I don't know. I don't, I don't think I do that, though. I guess I do do yeah. I just didn't do it for Public Enemies because I didn't care. But there have been plenty of times where I've been watching a movie and been like, if this were about a different thing, I would yeah. <laughs> like it. It almost feels if, you know the, what? if this tangential element of the movie had been the main element of the movie, I would like this a lot. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's, I, I, I've definitely done that. There's a. It's like uh, did you, you you never saw Babel, right? Um, I'm sorry, Babel. Oh no, I didn't. Um, it's uh, there's 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 several uh, elements in the film. And uh, there's there's one that it, that could not be more tangential to the mm-hmm. actual narrative push of the story, and it's uh, it takes place in uh, Japan, and uh, the I believe the actress's name is uh, Rinko Kikuchi, mm-hmm. and uh, she was nominated. In a great performance, and there's a lot going on there, and it's an interesting story, but it I feel like it doesn't. It's like this is really interesting. I, I don't care. Because <laughs> you have framed it as this is what's most interesting, and her story, while interesting to her, is not interesting to me because I've been asked to care about 
about it in this context over mm-hmm. here. And so, so yeah. Um, and I think, I think to go back to, to public enemies, I think that's, that's what's frustrating for me. And I think that's why I can't consider myself a straight up formalist is because I almost feel like I, I don't know, maybe I, I, I almost take, I feel like I almost take a movie at its word and it's almost like this film is ostensibly about John Dellinger. That's the story that it is telling, but it's not about him. It's almost as if it's using him to do its own thing, which is not necessarily wrong, but it's like, if you're going to do it, I don't know. It's, it seems somehow disingenuous to me. Well, I wonder, um, if you and we'll move on to the topic in a second, okay. but I wonder if you will like a movie that my girlfriend I got to see recently. It was a press screening. I had mm-hmm. a plus one, so I brought my girlfriend along. Not uh, only did you have a press screening, you got to bring a, uh, a guest. Yeah, man, um, this this free screening turned into like a nice night out. Um, <laughs> but we saw, yeah, we saw David Cronenberg's new film, A Dangerous Method, mm-hmm. which is also about real life people, Freud and Jung, and. Mm-hmm. Um, some other characters who are real life that I hadn't heard of and have forgotten the names. Um, and leaving, my girlfriend liked it, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, obviously the year's not over, but right now it's in my top five of the year okay. uh, so far. Um, and we were talking about it in the like car ride back. Why? And I think, uh, I think this is why I want to get your opinion on it when you see it because mm-hmm. she said like the story is just not as compelling as it could be or the characters aren't as deep maybe as they could be although I disagree with the second part um, and I think she's kind of right maybe the story is a little uh, I don't know what the word is it's not the most compelling narrative mm-hmm. but David Cronenberg I think is one of the great working formalists uh in that he i mean he his he he holds a shot and he he frames a shot and he holds it and he Mm -hmm. like he keeps every shot in the same frame until he thinks you've gotten the point like he's Mm -hmm. sort of he's so like forceful and methodical Mm -hmm. as a as a filmmaker uh that it feels like he it's almost like a it's almost like his films are on like an electric track and at the beginning he flips a switch and they just are moving forward at the same pace the entire time and somehow I have described him as a relentless filmmaker like he will just never he won't stop until he arrives where he wants to go right and if you're on board good for you this this train's not stopping Um, (laughs) exactly but uh, but and it's interesting because I love David Cronenberg Mm -hmm. and he is a guy who when he you know he directs something and it just seems as strange as it sounds, because even though, like with Eastern Promises, there were some script issues I didn't care for. As a director, like as th- this probably isn't totally true, but when he makes a decision, part of me feels like, well, that's that's the decision that that gets made. <laughs> like that's there's no other way to do that, right? <laughs> Obviously, he mathematically decided that that was the decision to make, and he made it. Like, and just it seems perfect to me. I don't think his films are perfect, but for some reason, as a director, he seems perfect, which is surprising because I think his films are surprising are, are shockingly human. Eastern Promises, A History of Violence, The Fly, um, even a there's film a, like Spider, which is very cold and clinical sometimes. Yeah, there's a messiness to <clears throat> what he is 
portraying, yeah. but not a messiness to the way he's portraying it, if that yeah. makes sense. Oh, very and much And that will so. very much come through in Keira Knightley's performance in Dangerous Method, okay. which is probably the best performance of her career, but I could still name 10 actresses that could do it better. <laughs> what about Kate Hudson? Could Kate Hudson do it better? <laughs> no. Um, and, I, and it's interesting. You mentioned the idea of, like, of Cronenberg just holding on a shot until we get the point. And it's interesting because I think an example, a perfect example of what you and I are talking about in reference to Cronenberg is the final shot of A History of Violence. It is a shot that holds mm-hmm. on Viggo Mortensen's face. He has made, the director has made the decision to not cut, not go to reaction shots, but to hold on this, per, hold on this shot. And this shot is of a person's face. Mm-hmm. And so it is, it's very much, it's a formalist decision in service of a story and a character, character yeah. and that, I think that's why I like him. Why I like him a lot is he. Whole, I think you get the, be- the, the best package. of both worlds. Yeah, yeah. the well, whole enchilada. That's what I call David Cronenberg. Well, I'm sure there are some formalist films in the little list I've made today. I'm, okay. and we'll get to them. Um, uh, the the topic suggested by you, Tyler. Yeah, uh, is movies about corporations. Yeah, or about the corporate world. Corporate or what mindset. Have you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's get into it, shall we? Um, now you've been sick and I've had a very busy, I'm, I'm busy all the time. I'm yeah. stop saying how busy I am. I, I just know you're very like, important, David. We get it's it. It's not about importance. I just know that I'm really, I'm really busy a lot okay. of the time. Um, so I didn't, uh, I didn't put days of thought into this. <laughs> I, this, I decided this, uh, today. Okay, good. Cause I, I don't know I, why, I of, but I found myself, uh, sort of just going with the flow of what came to mind and, I feel like it dominates my list so much. This is just a place to start. Uh, science fiction. Oh, most so many, uh, so many, so many science fiction films are about corporations. I'm not living mm-hmm. under corporations. I think it'd be. I think the reason uh, is because in a lot of <coughs> in a lot of ways we already live under corporations and live. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I mean, it's. Sounds conspiratorial to say at the whim of corporations, but to <laughs> we are alive because it, they haven't killed us. <laughs> but it, uh, in practice, it's kind of true. How you know how much um, of our our life is dictated by the decisions of corporations and science fiction? Uh, often, it, it chooses to comment on our current reality by mm. exaggerating it and making it saying you know here's how it could get worse or maybe just more pronounced right it's the same uh general philosophy as satire yeah you make the thing that you want to make fun of more uh, more prominent than it is in real life yeah. so that it's easier to point out and absolutely I think that's what that's what science fiction does and that's why there's so many uh science fiction films ab- about <laughs> evil corporations and before anybody uh as, okay so i want to there's like eight prefaces to this thing. I'll choose three of them. <laughs> um, so before anybody immediately thinks like, okay, so we're about to hear just some sort of liberal uh, treatise about the evils of corporations or something like I'm that. I'm not interested in that. I am not interested in it either. Um, the first thing that I'll say is like, okay, well, there's plenty of sci-fi and horror movies about the evils of the government as well. <laughs> like, there's, we're choosing one thing and not the other. It's, you yeah. know, you've got Orwell or you've got, uh, you know, Alien. Either right. way, yeah. uh, something terrible is happening in our future. And so, um, 
you know, you, uh, I say uh, Omni Consumer Products. You say Skynet. We've all got our thing. Uh-huh. So, um, so I didn't want I didn't want anyone to, to think that. Um, <clears throat> the other thing is here's here's something that that came to my mind when you talk about movies that are like anti corporation. Um, there is kind of a, a, a mindset that people have going into it, which is kind of like, hey, man, the corporations, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh-huh. You know, it, it said very well in uh, uh, Team America World Police, where Tim Robbins is like, let me explain how this works. The corporations fund Team America, and then they just sit there in their corporation buildings, and they're all corporation-y, and they make money. <laughs> and so... And so that that to me is very funny. And uh, there's actually there. Okay, I, I think the movie's funnier than I remember. It's it's a pretty funny movie. When I think about it, I don't necessarily have good thoughts. Not all except for except for when Kim Jong Il unleashes his panthers. They're <laughs> <laughs> just house cats. Yeah, they're but, black house cats. Yeah. But they put sounds of panthers <laughs> over them, and yeah, it's that, delightful. It's probably the silliest joke in the movie, and therefore it is my favorite joke in the entire movie. Well, I think the silliest joke in the movie is probably when uh, this, where these two guys are getting ready to, like, they're, put, they're in karate stances, and it's like, oh my gosh, here it comes. But they're still just marionette puppets, and so they just, like, flail about <laughs> as they fight. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's very funny. Anyway, um... So I wanted to bring up uh, this this other thing, and it will it will play into what we're talking about. Um, so in the late seventies, early eighties, I don't quite remember. Okay, I've mentioned that I'm like really into like Milton Friedman these days because I find some of his theories interesting, whether they're practical or not, um, and some of them are not. Uh, and he he put out a series on PBS, a ten part series called Free to Choose. And it's an interesting series. Everybody should look it up, regardless of your political persuasion, because you can watch it and wish dearly that that was that we thought like this. Which is to say, each episode is an hour long, and the first half hour is like a little documentary film that he himself made about a specific element of the free market or whatever. And then the last half is him and people who disagree with him just having a discussion about it, just sitting and talking. And they get heated sometimes, but and I was just like, oh. Why aren't there any shows like this right now? <laughs> it's wonderful. You know, um, <clears throat> maybe is real time. Maybe has Bill Maher's show has that discussion. Uh, maybe, element. but I feel like there's a, there's a snide uh, snideness. But you know what? To that? There is, but he, uh, Bill Maher, I think gets credit for having people on who disagree with him and letting them talk. And you, and you know who else actually to give the other side as much as I hate him, uh, Bill O'Reilly is not afraid to have people on who disagree with them. Oh, very that, much so. I don't know that he, he necessarily lets them talk because he tends to get a little screamy. But like, he might, compared to yeah. like a, uh, a Glenn Beck or other sort of right-wing yeah. TV hosts, he really is willing to have he might, people on. He, he does shout them down from time to time, and that does frustrate me. And But in the same way, I do think that, that Bill Maher will sometimes interrupt people and then like give this... He he does a look that bothers me, where it's like he's looking over an imaginary pair of glasses. Um, like, here, I'll show I, I, you. I just know, like I know that I've, I've watched the show plenty okay. of times. I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay, and so and that's fine. I'm not saying that Bill Maher is not smart. I'm not saying that Bill O'Reilly is not smart. I think that you know, but nonetheless, in watching it, it's do you know? <clears throat> I won't. I won't uh, say who it is, but someone who's been on the show who is a friend of mine. Okay, we were once having a discussion. Okay, and he gave me that look. Really. And then we weren't having a discussion about that thing anymore. I was yelling at him about 
looking at me that way. Well, there's no question that it's build wire. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you can tell me after the show who it yeah. is. Because um, now I'm, oh my, the mind reels. So, um, but I was watching an episode, and also it's fun to go back, and in one of the panel discussions, there's a businessman named Don Rumsfeld. <laughs> and by the way, he says some surprisingly interesting and intelligent and reasonable things in that episode. It's it's very interesting. But there's a I never thought that Rumsfeld was <clears throat> Well a lot of people really dumb. Well, yeah, certainly. Yeah. But he says reasonable things that I think anybody, regardless of their political persuasion, would be like, I agree with that. Because he's speaking in a in a larger in a larger uh context than mere politics. Um but there's a in in his episode, there's what are you laughing at? Thinking about another conversation I had with the Someone same person? No, different person who's also been on the show who said he was looking into he worked out he worked out of the house. He was mm-hmm. looking into getting a standing desk. Okay. And I said, like Donald Rumsfeld? And he was like, No, not like Donald Rumsfeld. <laughs> That's not bad. Because that's what Donald Rumsfeld did. He didn't he didn't sit in his office, he had a standing desk. That's off putting to me. <laughs> but anyway, um so so the, in this in this episode, they were talking about like the role of labor, and there was this one guy who was I'll, I'll say this I think he's a little bit out of his depth with who he was ta- with the rest of the panel, and he was a a union uh, representative, and and I'm not against unions classist. or anything. Are you saying me? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Clearly, clearly a classist. <clears throat> no question about it. Well, this guy he had a he had like a Hulk Hogan mustache, uh-huh. which like stretches to the bottom of his chin. No, thank you. <laughs> All right, that's how you know that somebody's out of their depth. But it was the it was the late seventies, early eighties, so it's fine. Um, but <clears throat> there was one little moment where he said something that was a little Tim Robbins in Team America. By the way, Tim Robbins is not actually in the film um, <laughs> right. Team America. So, um, but they were talking about like certain price issues, and Don Rums Don Rumsfeld is saying he's like you know he's like something like that. It makes a lot of sense for the consumer. And then this guy, who I think was getting in a zinger because he looked very pleased with himself after he was done, he's like, so Rumsfeld says like makes a lot of sense for the consumer, and the guy's like he goes he's like uh, he goes makes even more sense for multinational corporations, and then he sits back and it's like no one's going to follow up on that really, <laughs> and so like because it could yes that doesn't necessarily cancel out the other one though. Yeah. Um, but then this this other this guy also brings up, and I guess this this makes me feel bad as a film guy uh-huh. is like he brings up a film of the time, a science fiction film, um, as a way of sort of illustrating his point, and and I instantly am just like, really, that's the best you've got, and then I realize like, film is all I've got. <laughs> I would not be welcome in a conversation <laughs> like this. Um, I would hate myself in a conversation like this. But he brought up the film Rollerball. Uh, which, if I'm not mistaken, you've just seen, or fairly recently. Within the last year. Okay. Yeah. And... It is boring. It's not good. I actually enjoy it, but I haven't seen it in many years. It's like five hours long, I think. No, I think it's under two hours, but it It's a very like experimental hours. film, it Rollerball. Is, <laughs> it is so slow. I don't, I don't, I don't like it at all. Um, but I, I, I told that rather long-winded story to say that, like, there is sort of... Whether right or wrong, and I think it might even be mostly right, I think there is a natural assumption that when someone says corporation, and if someone decides to proceed that with multinational, Uh we will assume that they are going to kill us all, 
They're uh-huh. going to take over everything, and they don't care about us. They only care about dollar signs. That, and I think we assume that's true, and it might be true. I think it. I think it. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily that they're evil across the board, but I think the idea that they that corporations. We said we weren't going to get political here, but. Mm-hmm. And I don't think this is political. I think the idea that they care more about money than they do about people is self-evident. And it is that's that's what they do. It's what it's it's the it's, nature of what it is. And I, I just think as consumers, as part of the a capitalist society, mm-hmm. we should naturally set ourselves up in opposition to them because mm-hmm. they should be competing with each other for our dollar. Right. So the the idea of anyone defending a corporation. Regardless of political stance, right, seems kind of alien to me. Because uh, no pun intended. Because uh, nice. they're it's a little RoboCop to me. It's just sort of like politicians, right? Okay, we vote them into office, but then once soon as they're in office, we sh- we kind of should be in opposition to them because we should be expecting more. Well, from I don't them. know if it's if it's opposition, but I think we should always have a healthy skepticism about them. Right. Okay, because. Be in opposition just means like, okay, we voted you in, now fuck you. Like, it's not (laughs) that. It's it's more like, okay, we voted you in, we put you where you are, and now now what are you going to do? We'll go along with you, but it's not just, hey, we voted, and now we're done. Now just do what you want to do. Like, you still still kind of, not necessarily hold their feet to the fire, but you, you know, keep tabs on what it is they're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, and so like, I, I'm inclined to say there's nothing necessarily there's nothing necessarily wrong with a corporation just in itself in and of itself, but because of what it is that and I think that's what a lot of these movies are about is that the very nature of what a corporation is it's supposed to make money there's nothing wrong with making money. The question is how far is it willing to go to make money? What is it going to sacri- What good things is it going to sacrifice to make money? Is it going to compromise morals? Is it going to compromise law? Yeah, and and when an entity an entity puts everything in terms of uh, money, mm-hmm. how much does it? What does it value human life? Right, uh, and I and that's where you'll find a lot of these uh, you know science fiction movies, because, especially I would say you know maybe first and foremost is Alien. Yeah. Um, uh, well, here's you know what you know what came to my mind. Okay, we talked about uh, you. You mentioned Omni Consumer Products. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Skynet, but is that the corporation or is Cyberdyne the corporation? And Skynet is like oh, the I guess Cyberdyne or the uh, I, 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 I it's been too long. Yeah, uh, there's the Tyrell Corporation Tyrell, yeah. from uh, Blade Runner, of course, Wayland Yutani from yeah. Alien. There's InGen and Biosyn from Jurassic Park. Ah. Do you know what was the first one that came to my mind? And it's not even a movie that I like that much. It's a fun movie, but it's not even... Umbrella? The Umbrella Corporation is yeah. the first one that came to my mind. Because I think it's maybe one of the most overt. Yeah. Um, but it also is... Um, I think the Umbrella Corporation... <coughs> and I, I've, I've seen the first two Resident Evil movies, and I only liked the first one. And mm-hmm. I, even then, I only kind of liked the first one. Um but the um- Umbrella Corporation as a corporation is maybe even more recognizable to us than than Wayland yutani or Omni Consumer Products because um, their corporate world looks like ours and also we know like what sort of um, actual 
products mm-hmm. they make. They're not a faceless right. uh, uh, corporation. Not, they're not the company. You know, I think. Right. I mean, Wayland Yutani. An alien. They just call them the company. Uh, the, yeah. the actual people who work for them. Yeah. Right? As the movies, as the entire series go goes on, then we get the face of the company frequently. Yeah. You right. know, with Paul Reiser, and then you know Lance Henriksen himself, and then various uh, representatives in Alien Resurrection. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, in in Alien, the, the very fact that the, that they say the company, it implies like we don't even look. We don't even need to say the name of the company, do uh-huh. we? We all know the company we're talking about because it might even... The implication is being, it's not a company. It's the company because there's really only one at this point. Right. So I just wanted to mention that about... Uh, that's one thing that Resident <coughs> Evil does well. It makes it more immediate and insidious by actually... It's almost like humanizing it, but that's not even the right word. It's just it's just making the Umbrella Corporation look and feel the way that corporations actually do to us. And, you know, you mention... Um satire and i think one a movie that satirizes almost everything including corporations is network and mm-hmm. cca the communications corporation of america which owns ubs union broadcasting system um is it union i believe so yeah i always thought it was united but i uh, it's been so long since i've seen it the union broadcasting. yeah i'm pretty sure it's union um the uh CCA, that is also another thing where, like, while we do get crazy-ass Ned Beatty uh-huh. in a, a performance I absolutely love, um, we also get, you know, the the way in which... And this also, of course, speaks to, you know, studios and networks, but it is a corporate decision uh, to... Spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen Network. It's a corporate decision to kill Howard Beale. Mm-hmm. They're sitting in a boardroom. They are talking about as if it were anything else. Right. It's just like, okay, let's weigh the pros and cons of this. And at no point to say it's right or wrong. That's not an issue. The issue <laughs> is how much do we span- stand to gain by keeping him in or lose? And is it worth it? And what's more is the way they decide to kill him is to incorporate another show that's up and coming. And so not only do we kill him, but we have our other show, uh, you know, people from our other show, they're the ones that do the killing. So not only do we, you know, amputate this thing that's not doing well, but we give a nice little charge to this thing. So we could stand to do very well here. And I think that's, uh, I don't know, that's that and and it is done so bloodless mm-hmm. and only one guy who i think is the president of the network um who's sort of grand you know sort of grandfathered in um he's like you know we're talking about a capital crime here <laughs> and everyone's like please and then they just move on <laughs> like i don't think they even really acknowledge it and uh and so it's i feel like that and of course that movie is totally over the top mm-hmm. um just as much as any sci-fi film maybe even more so um but that idea i think gives a very clear concept of what what people see as the corporate mentality which is morals plays no part here it's totally dollars and cents um let me boomerang back from satire into mm-hmm. something as much as it, it's still a science fiction film but it's a very realistic portrayal of corporation and i can't even remember the name of the corporation which is kind of the point because mm-hmm. it's a very bland name but it's from district nine and do you have it written down there? You know, I don't. I actually, I wrote down various corporations in here, but I forgot District 9. Because the thing that I like about that, that is also um, very realistic, mm-hmm. is that it's 
a corporation doing essentially government work. It's contracted by the government right. to do, and and that's something we certainly see uh, in like um, State of Play. That movie, that yeah, we both didn't like. Yeah, had a lot of that, and and um, uh, I didn't see um, what was the Ryan Reynolds coffin movie, Buried? Buried. Buried. I didn't see that, but that also involves like uh, oh, I didn't know that uh, corporate contractors essentially being contracted by the government mm-hmm. overseas, right? Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I like the, um, the corporate world of district nine. I don't like it, but I, I, I like what it does in, in that it's not, it's almost a side point. Like mm-hmm. district nine isn't exactly subtle about what it's about, right. you know, you know, the uh, apartheid and, and segregation and all that. Um, <coughs> But this like subtle, in, subtly insidious thing of like the government, the elected government, uh, using a private firm mm. to carry out duties that have an effect over the people that the government was elected by. Yeah. Um. It, I it, I like that. That's not the main point of the movie, but it's 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 in there. And uh, again, I well, we're, that's we're skirting of- the line of being. Because we're trying not to be too political here, but that is a thing that bothers me personally. Well, and that's isn't that sort of the situation with Avatar? Because it's because mm-hmm. yes, I remember exactly. people made it clear that uh, that a lot of the quote unquote soldiers were actually uh, you know mercenary soldiers of fortune. I think not they all actually were. They were former. Okay, they were. Does that include uh, Stephen Lang's character? Yeah, I think he's a okay, like former marine. Okay, and so yeah, I mean, I I think they all work for this. Uh, for this company and and may, I don't know and, and part of me wonders not as we all know I'm not a big fan of Avatar um, what? I know <laughs> crazy right? <laughs> um, but uh, by the way I make I hold up my Avatar episode of More Than One Lesson as me with absolutely no filter and just building on myself until I get to a point of hysteria where <laughs> I I wind up saying stuff that I never would say in life, but for some reason, because no one stops me, I it, that's one of the reasons that I got a co-host is because like <laughs> I don't think the co-host would ever let me get where I got uh-huh. in that Avatar episode. I still stand by all my points, by the way, but it's I probably could have said it in a much more nuanced way. But uh, but yeah, that it makes me wonder if the whole I, one of the ideas behind Avatar is maybe these guys act like this precisely because they are ex-military and not current military. It's all mm-hmm. the guys who it's like, oh, you're you're too violent <laughs> for the actual military. We have no place for you here. However, this company will snatch you right up, <laughs> no problem, because we need that level of, of violence and that yeah. willingness. Um, but going back to the sci-fi, well, Avatar sci-fi too, but another theme that gets played out a lot, the District 9 is a part of, is the bleed over between government and mm-hmm. corporation um sometimes it's in very uh direct ways you see uh omni consumer products that a corporation mm-hmm. is running the police force yeah you know and that's not um as far-fetched as it might seem uh, you know we've got we've got corporations running prisons and 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 private uh, people running uh schools in some cases mm-hmm. already happening um uh I think RoboCop might... A lot of these movies um, uh, might have turned out to be a little prescient. Uh, yeah. You know? Um, and then it, there's some that are in 
very broad ways, and I don't can't remember if you've seen it, but Serenity. I've seen Serenity. And yeah. in the Firefly world, there's uh, Blue Sun Corporation, mm-hmm. and you don't know what they do, but they are clearly they're clearly running shit. Yeah, and it's not that there's no almost no real talk of the government in in Firefly or Serenity. There's just the constant, and there's not even a lot of talk about Blue Sun. There's just a constant presence. There's yeah. always Blue Sun logos whenever they t- touch down into some like uh, you know dock town. I don't know what you call it. It wouldn't be a port, would it? I guess it's like a space I guess port. that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, those are two examples. Uh, and you know, it's interesting to bring up. Uh, this is something, by the way. This is something James Cameron explores a lot. Um, explores might be too generous a word, but. I'll go ahead and use that because I don't want to be a jerk. Um, like in Aliens, and there's a lot There's a lot of thematic overlap between Aliens and Avatar as far as corporate and military. But in Aliens, like the company, Weyland-Yutani, they're the ones that are kind of running the show. And when things go bad, they pull in characters that are actually referred to as marines like they are officially marines they have a tour of duty you know like uh hudson talks about he had four more weeks until he was out so like these are actual military Mm -hmm. and it's almost as though they're at the beck and call of this company right if the if the oh there's there's a problem let's call in these marines as if they were on the payroll because they very well might be and so the idea that the state or government or whatever is totally subject to this corporation, I think, is also something that's interesting to me. Yeah. Um, now, do you want to get away from sci-fi for a second? Um, or is there more you wanted to talk about? No, I think I'm fine with, with moving away from that right now. Um, one thing, we talked about corporations being somewhere where it's all about money, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, there's no human element. Um, but there, uh, a great movie... That I think you said you rewatched recently. I can't remember Michael Clayton. Uh, yeah, that's got it right here. Uh, that's a great movie. That is a, like about. It, it's sort of a reminder that even though corporations are not uh, humans, they're made up of humans. Right. And there's a lot of compromise, and there's a lot of negative effects on a human being who is too ingrained, too in, uh, you know, I guess ingrained is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Uh, into into the corporate world, uh, both uh, obviously Tom Wilkinson's character, but also um, uh, Tilda Swinton. Yeah, uh, you see, you get brief like humanizing effects of what what being a part of a corporate that high up in a corporation, the effect that has on your psyche and your moral uh, picture of yourself. Yeah, Tilda Swinton's character. I don't. Know, we've seen. Michael Clayton is an immensely watchable film. Like, I really like it. I think it's very well written um, and very well acted. We've seen characters like Michael Clayton before. We've even seen characters like Tom Wilkinson's character before. We've not seen a lot of Tilda Swinton's character. Mm -hmm. Because in another movie, it would have just made her a shark. And she is a shark. But man, she she is more terrified than anybody else of failure. Uh-huh. And this idea of the corporate, like, we see someone, here's what it is, to, it, she is on her way. We see her as she is becoming Paul Reiser in Aliens. Mm-hmm. He is already cutthroat by the time we see him. Right. And he's willing to do whatever he can to, you know, if he manages to pull this off, he's going to freaking go through the roof in his in the company. Yeah. It's dangerous for him and for every, everybody else, but man, the, it's worth it to him. 
and we see her as she's just starting to go over to that side and we see the toll that it takes on her we see how horrified she is of failure and it's such an interesting performance because even as she's doing this thing you see her trying to shut off her moral center and just trying to be all business and approaching it from all business and but we do see that she has emotions mm-hmm. and it's a very interesting it's a very interesting character and an interesting performance because like you said while the documentary the corporation talks about how corporations are considered uh people narcissistic people um mm-hmm. it is made up of individuals and how do how do individuals get to that point where we see them as pure evil and often you know i mean you look at uh you know the the whole enron thing you i mean there's been any number of documentaries made about this sort of thing and enron the smartest guys in the room is a very interesting documentary I haven't seen that one. um it's it's good it's and it's it's good because it actually is pretty relatable i don't know anything about that sort of thing uh but i was able to follow it as, as it went along so there are people who absolutely do terrible things i mean they they don't kill people but they might but they take away every mo every bit of their livelihood mm-hmm. including like pension retirement you know the whole thing mm-hmm. and so they don't physically kill them but i mean they do almost everything they can i have to assume like maybe it may might have even uh you know pushed some people to suicide you know and it's just uh that to me is is what is most interesting about her character is you see her becoming the monster but she's not there yet if she was there already then i think we would have been like okay i've seen this before but oh she's so uncomfortable to watch um before we move on, because you've got a longer list than I do, mm-hmm. um, you mentioned the Corporation mm-hmm. movie, and I just want to recommend that to people who haven't seen it, because I, I'm i somewhat, I guess, politically the audience for that kind of movie, Yeah. but because of that, I tend to be skeptical about those type of like uh, muckraking leftist documentaries. Because you feel like it might pander to you, and just yeah. assume that you're not going to look further into it. Yes, and so I went into the corp- seeing the corporation with that mindset and was floored by mm. how how exhaustive and compelling and uh, intelligent and reasonable and frustrating mm. and angering uh, that movie is. And long. It's like two and a half hours. It is a long movie, but, but it's worth it. It's, it's so good. Because however you feel about whatever, wherever you fall in the political spectrum, yeah. it's worth seeing. And that's and you know when I saw it, I think I was actually you know fairly conservative, and I am sort of from an economic standpoint, I think I'm moving more in that direction uh, these days. But at the time, I think I was predisposed to not like that movie. But man, it was very and there are, there are elements about it that I'm like ah, okay, and all those elements are Michael Moore. But uh, <laughs> but the, I forget that he's in it. Man, oh man. It's yeah. Okay. Are you gonna read his memoir that just came out? I didn't know he wrote one. Yeah, it just came out like a week or two ago. Oh man, I don't think I could get through it. It's, <laughs> hasn't he basically? Isn't his whole career basically a memoir? Isn't it just a devoting time and energy to himself? It's definitely that. Okay, I don't know if it's a memoir, but it's definitely that. Um, a love letter, maybe. I'm, but I'm told that I mean, the, I'm told the reviews I've read have said that it's. Um, uh, that politics aren't a big part of it except for where it brushes up against his personal life. Right, right. Like he's not like 
writing. He's written plenty of political books. Yeah. I'm sure I'm it's, kind of interested in it. I'm sure it's interesting, actually. I think his life has, has been surprisingly interesting. And, and to be the most popular documentarian, mm-hmm. you know, that's got, that's, that in itself is, is interesting, regardless of what you think of his films. But, um, but no, what I like about the corporation is its approach. It's not merely, hey, let's look at how evil corporations are. Now, of course, there, there is that. But its general idea is it takes an idea and runs with it. Mm-hmm. And the idea is, well, legally, when it comes to like, you know, campaign contributions and from a tax standpoint, a corporation counts as an individual. Mm-hmm. And so, if a corporation is an individual, let's analyze it from a psychological point of view. Yeah, what kind of individual is it? Yeah, and it's such a, and that's such an in, an interesting idea, uh-huh. and it and it f- totally follows through with it. And when you look at it from that point of view, you realize. Wow, this is an absolute psychopath mm-hmm. and sociopath. Mm-hmm. I guess you can. I guess you can. Those aren't interchangeable. I understand that, but there's a little something the, there. I don't really know the difference, but it's not. Look, but, I know what formalism means. I don't have to know. Fair enough. I don't have to know everything. Um, Jack of all trades is an expert in none. All right. <laughs> fair enough. Okay. It's, uh, you don't have to get mad at me. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, the corporation is definitely worth watching. Um, Provided, you know, it just, I don't know, as, as time has gone on, this, this might be a slight tangent, like, it's, it is not, it's not productive to go into a movie, again, we've talked about, you can't, you can never be totally objective when watching a movie, you bring your own ideas, you bring your own experiences to a movie, that's fine, but when it comes to something like politics, when it comes to something like certain ideologies and philosophies i'm not saying leave them at the door but i'm saying recognize that the people who made this don't share your ideology and if you try to at least see something from their point of view i don't know you it will first off i think it'll probably help give you perspective on your point of view but also it will help you maybe not demonize someone quite so much Mm -hmm. with that point of view don't get me wrong there are some movies like there was a movie called uh i think like a damn it now i don't remember like a shine a bright shining moment in history long kiss good night that's the one um (laughs) but uh now i don't remember that's that's off-putting but it was a documentary about george mcgovern oh and it's a very interesting documentary and if you go in looking at at it as a conservative, as a liberal, it doesn't really matter. You see that George McGovern was a really interesting, intelligent, principled guy, uh, man of integrity who really stood up in the face of, you know, tremendous opposition from his own, own party and from the other party. If you look at it, you see that that's what it is. And and you also realize, like, okay, the, the documentarians speak in incredibly over-the-top ways. Um... And in almost, it almost, the way they speak is almost from like the book of Revelation. Like it is just so, so crazy and prophetic almost in how evil they talk about these, you know, how they talk about these people that are evil and these people that are saintly and that sort of thing. And, you know, you go in with an open mind and when the more open your mind is, I think the more you realize how close the filmmakers might be, but you also realize what truth is there. And so I would say when you go into a movie like The Corporation, and don't get me wrong, 
you know, I go into a Michael Moore film totally skeptical. My mind probably isn't that open, although I, wi- I wound up did liking sick did I wind wound up liking Sicko more than I expected. But um, but a movie like like the Corporation, I don't know. It's it doesn't matter. Put aside, try to put aside what you believe. Go in, watch it. It's a very good movie, just in general. But also, it's it's you know enlightening. It's an interesting mm-hmm. film, and a lot of the movies that we're talking about now, like you could go in and say, like, well, this movie doesn't confirm what I believe, so it must be crap. No, it might you what you believe might be right, and the, what the film believes might be wrong. But you can't you can't just dismiss the movie be- automatically because it doesn't tell you what you like or what you already believe. And uh, that's a bit of a soapbox. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, but you're pro-intellectual discourse. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And start with that free-to-choose uh, series on PBS from 30 years ago. <laughs> it's very interesting. Um, now, uh, what else do you have on your list? Or have you, have you gotten everything? I've exhausted most of it. I haven't found a way to work in Halloween 3 and the Silver Shamrock Company. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Which I don't think even is necessarily a corporation, but they... But I mean... It, it's it might as well be yeah and just well i mean that's that's a lot that movie has a lot of god help me it's got some satirical things mm-hmm. in it now did you see halloween three yeah okay I mean, I, more than 10 years ago i saw it maybe two a month or a month ago oh, okay. at the uh at the egyptian oh. and it was a lot of fun um that movie is just as crazy as get a friend of the show pat healy said uh-huh. but uh but the silver sh- you're it's there is. I don't know if they meant to be satirical. It's entirely likely they didn't. But it is interesting because that film is about, if nothing else, the corrosive power of advertising. Uh-huh. You know, just you are the way it, it it advertises to children. It's like you are nothing unless you get these masks, <laughs> and they know that if they put it out there enough. That every kid is want is going to want to get these masks, and then they harnessing the power of Stonehenge or whatever, <laughs> um, they're going to wreak havoc on society, and it, they know that it will be the bulk of society because every kid has one of these masks because mm-hmm. they've done their job well. It, it is it is kind of about a certain aspect of corporate society, which is of course uh, the one that is based in Stonehenge. Right, but um, <laughs> but yeah. So I'll 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 run through. Um, yeah, we've been going over an hour, and the, my voice is starting to go, and the computer's acting a little funny. Okay, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, I'll just I'll just list off some real quick. Um, Poltergeist, which is less a uh, corporate mentality, but you know the the idea again, it goes to this real this real estate company decides, eh. Yeah, we built it on this uh, burial ground, but it'll be fine. We don't have to move these bodies, right? Oh. And so, um, but I think that's um, the company there isn't. I don't think it's an anti-corporate message. I think that's just a way of getting to the uh, message about what Americans did, what 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 right. our country did to this country, right? And the people who were here, right? I don't think I don't think that Toby Hooper's point is anti-corporate. I think it's anti-American. <laughs> Not really. <Let> me, <laughs> well, I mean, one could say that. Frankly, to a certain extent, the two are married to each other. That you mean because the corporations run the country? That's right, man. <laughs> but they're not running this podcast, man. <laughs> not yet. That's why we don't take any advertisers. 
Yeah, that's the reason. <laughs> that's why you'll, you won't hear any advertisements on here. <sighs> um, so, uh, Syriana is another one. That and the Constant Gardener, I think, go very well together. Oh, that and, and like, the Insider. The Gardener. Um, yeah. And, and I think Syriana also has an interesting thing to say. There's a really wonderful monologue by uh, Tim Blake Nelson about corruption. And while he never says, like, the government makes things illegal so that corporations can get away without get away with it. Nobody sees it. If it's legal, then they, then everything's out in the open. If it's not, if it's not legal, then we can do it illegally and no one sees what we're doing and everything's fine. Um, he doesn't say it in those terms, like saying corporations in America, mm-hmm. but he does put it out there. The idea of it's illegal precisely so we can get away with it. And he delivers it really well. I like, I like Tim Blake Nelson as an actor. Um, so let's see. By the way, uh, Constant Gardener, just because I like to say things that I know will cause people to want to write, write me emails. It may not be as exciting, but I actually think Constant Gardener is a better film than City of God, as far as Fernando Moraes' films go. I think all around, it's a better film. I guess you can compare them because it's the same director, but I think the content is so different. But I think, I think Constant Gardener is just a more mature film. Uh, I think it's more mature in the way it explores I think, its, I, I'm its just topic. Saying, uh, City of God maybe, and this is part of what makes it so watchable, but it at times enjoys itself a little too much, I think. Maybe. For for how for how upsetting the subject matter should be. Um, there are times that I feel like it kind of, the movie knows that it's kind of cool. Do you think so? I think there are a few moments like like that that, that spill over into that. Do you think the uh, uh, over? I, I think the city. I think City of God is a really good movie. I yeah. just I just wanted to. Do you because we weren't we weren't doing this podcast when City of God came out or when Council of the Gardener came out, so right. I haven't been able to air my views on them. Do you think um, perhaps that City of God like he is trying to edit in you know put it together in such a way as to um, put us in the mindset of the characters because for them this is kind of fun too. I think. I think when the movie's at its best, that's exactly what it's doing. Okay. And that's, and I, I find no fault in that. Yeah. I, but I, I just think there are times, and maybe it was just his, um, uh, you know, relative inexperience, I guess, as mm-hmm. a feature filmmaker, there are times where I feel like he loses, he like loses he, his grasp on that. And he doesn't know, he doesn't know when to pull it back. Mm-hmm. Okay. I see what you mean. Um, yeah, I like it. I don't love it. Uh, Kids in the Hall Brain Candy. Yeah. Um, is one that I enjoy a lot. Um, just you know the 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 idea that just one deeply unstable man basically runs this whole thing and what is the what is the trade it's like it's variety but it's like pharmaceutical variety or something yeah, the, yeah. the trade magazine they yeah. read and he's like, can i have the room for a second my, my empire, empire is crumbling, crumbling. <laughs> okay everyone can come back in now and I, oh, I love the i think the first conference like they're at that huge table, and he's yeah. like, "When are we going to get the big table in here? Am I going to have to go out down, <laughs> go outside and chop down the fucking tree myself?" <laughs> <laughs> and the, and I do like when he uh, he turns to Dave Foley. I'm always a big fan of like the toady assistant. Uh-huh. Um, he goes to uh, he goes he goes. Okay, Marv, we're going to need to do this thing. He goes. He goes. Okay, Don, no problem. He goes. And where are we with that? <laughs> he goes. With what? Uh, with, you know, whatever this thing. You mean the thing you just told me about just now? Yes. Oh, we're on top of that, Don. <laughs> and it's just such a... I don't know that Mark is my gr- favorite kid, 
yeah. overall, but he's the best part of Brain Candy. I think he's the funniest, I'd say that's about the funniest right. part of Brain Candy. Yeah, I'd say that. I do like that character a lot. Yeah, um, because it's Thorne Michaels. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's interesting. You watch him and Dr. Evil, and it's like, it's surprising how much Thorne Michaels has been portrayed, but not portrayed in <laughs> right, film. Right. Um, okay, so I talked about Network. Uh, Wally is one. Mm-hmm. Um, which is all about how the corporations in the midst of this kids film, it's all about how corporate, uh, a Walmart type corporation destroyed everything. Mm-hmm. And a, a similar film that I actually didn't write down, but it just occurred to me is, uh, idiocracy. Right. <coughs> in which I believe they actually give it a name. I believe it's Costco. Is um, it? yeah. And he's, uh, it's, I believe didn't, uh, Dak Shepard's character, didn't he, Go to college at Costco. <laughs> <laughs> I remember they go to a Costco and it's the size of like a city and there's yeah. like a plane crashed into it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't uh, like that movie very much. You don't you don't like it very much? No. I think I think you and I have talked about the comedy is there, the sci fi is dubious. Yeah, it, it doesn't work as science fiction. It does not work. And that punctures such a hole in it for me that I can't yeah. I can't enjoy the rest of it. But uh and then the insider, uh Monsters Inc. is mm-hmm. one that I Wanted to do. Um, talked about Michael Clayton, Tron, The Firm, Tropic Thunder, uh, The Best Years of Our Lives, which is not necessarily a corporation, but it's a bank. Oh, right, right. Um, that puts, that in spite of giving the impression of being like, oh, we're absolutely for our veterans, except the ones that can't, you know, that might not have a job immediately and that sort of thing. Um, and then there is a movie that I bring up on here from time to time that I actually kind of like, that I really like, um, but it defends the corporate mentality, which is other people's money. Yeah. Um, yeah, you do bring that movie up a lot. I like it, too. It's, and I, I, we talk about how the, the tacked-on ending, I just feel like, is not real. Yeah, um, just... It's a deleted scene that people forgot to delete, is, is the way I look <laughs> at it. Um, but the way that it's such a wonderful ending, because you have... Gregory Peck delivering a sp- and it's Gregory Peck delivering a speech about like look at the person next to you you wouldn't murder that person and yet you're going to murder this company like come on let's let's all band together and we'll get through this tough time and it's Gregory Peck <laughs> who disagrees with him nobody <laughs> it's Atticus Finch it's Atticus Finch yeah and so um and then Danny DeVito who nobody's on board with, <laughs> you know, it's Louie from taxi right before he became the penguin. Like nobody's on board with, with Danny DeVito. He comes up and actually convinces me more in favor of this hostile corporate takeover because it's this idea of there's nothing necessarily wrong. Like I was saying earlier, there's nothing wrong with making money. That's why it is sort of what makes America, America is we are free to make money however we want, and it can be kind of brutal, but there is a sort of, there is an evolutionary thing to the marketplace, and some companies die, some industries die, but such mm-hmm. is the nature of it. And he says something that's really interesting. He said, he's like, you know, I bet, <clears throat> he's like, after a while, I, I bet there was a time when there was only one, there were only a handful of companies making buggy whips. And I bet the last company made the best damn buggy whip you ever saw. Now, how many of you would like to be stockholders in that company? <laughs> and, you know, and it's just little things like, yeah, like, 
a, a modern example is I, I really am sad about the death of the video store. I'm very sad about it. I love video stores. I used to work at, I worked at two of them. You worked at a few. Like it's, I liked, I like going into video stores and looking around, but at the same time I go to Redbox. I have Netflix. You know what I mean? Like I may like that, but I have found these other things to be more convenient and that's why they're dying because the consumer wants this other thing. And that's a natural thing. There's no, you know, Redbox didn't necessarily do anything evil. They did something that the consumer said they wanted. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. It's it's just, it's, and to, I don't know, to look, it's a totally, it's not anti-humanist, but it's just, it goes back to what I was saying about that free to choose thing. In some cases, it makes a lot of sense from, from the standpoint of the consumer, and then that one guy says, well, it makes a lot of sense from the standpoint of multinational corporations. It's like, yeah, but if the consumer wants this, then so be it. <laughs> Have you seen the South Park episode that's about uh, Starbucks, essentially? Where, Starbucks? Like, no. The, I think it's... Uh, I saw the one about Walmart. Um, no, I've seen that one, too. But no, the Starbucks... Uh, I, don't, I can't remember if they actually refer to it as Starbucks, mm-hmm. but one of the kids in the class, his parents own <coughs> the local like mom and pop coffee shop in mm. south park and then starbucks comes in and everyone's fighting to save the mom and pop coffee shop mm. uh because it's local yeah. but everyone admits that their coffee is fucking wretched yeah <laughs> uh, and and the the walmart episode's a good example of this as well is a little the, on the nose at the end it's re- the yeah. mirror thing yeah that but i do like it's on the mirror it's on the nose and then they're like well, he said to destroy it, and they just break this mirror, <laughs> you know. Um, and then, sure enough, it uh, like in what is the movie? Is it House? I I don't know. What's the, no? It's not House. Is it Amityville? I don't remember. But the Walmart winds up destroying itself and like imploding uh, the way it does in. I don't in remember which guys, right? Is it Poltergeist? Isn't that, that where does? the house falls in it, on itself? I guess that is Poltergeist. How did I forget that? I even brought uh, it up earlier. It's also in that Simpsons <laughs> Treehouse It of sure Horror is, yeah. That's pretty awesome. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and so I I don't want to make it seem like I'm defending corporations, but that is the, there is another side to it. It's not, you know, while most uh, films are, I'd say, rightfully skeptical of the corporate mindset, you know, when it comes right down to it, point the finger at yourself, <laughs> consumer. Corporations are Americans, too. Damn right. And they're better Americans. That's the way I look at it. (laughs) They're more successful. At the game of being Americans, they're winning. (laughs) (laughs) All right. right. So uh, thank you very much for listening. Um, You can find us at BattleshipRetention.com. Read those blogs. They're great. Or uh, email us, uh, David at BattleshipRetention.com or Tyler at BattleshipRetention.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Twitter.com slash ThePretension. Or follow Tyler on Twitter at Twitter.com slash MoreLessons, which is the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson which you can find at morethanonelesson.com or in iTunes. And you can find my other podcast, the weekly television review so review show previously on at previouslyonshow.com or in iTunes. So, Absolutely. And again, uh, I don't want to hit this point home too much, but if you donate $10 or more, uh, you will receive the first 40 episodes. And uh, we are not starving for money, but uh, we we would certainly, you know appreciate any donations yeah. you could give so so thank you for listening and uh, we'll, oh go cardinals oh thank absolutely you for listening. and uh 
I'm trying to think. There's a sports team I I endorse. Angels, <laughs> but yeah. they're not in the playoffs. Oh. <laughs> All right, go Cardinals, I guess. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.